I'm Nick Terzo, and you are listening to The Radical. This week's guest is the ultimate musician's musician. Having started out as being a part of Grammy-winning Snarky Puppy, he has gone on to pursue his own music. His newest record, Something to Say, is nominated for a Grammy this year. Additionally, he has garnered three other Grammy nominations for his contributions to Kanye West's Donda and Eric Bellinger's New Light. Recognized by many as one of the preeminent Hammond B3 players in the world. Multi-hyphenate, Corey Henry, joins me to chat about his early musical training, his many collaborations with artists such as Imagine Dragons, Kanye West, and Ty Dolla Sign, and his own path to establishing a significant, critically hailed career in music. Coming up, my conversation with Corey Henry. Hi, Corey. Hey, Nick. How you doing? I'm very excited to have you um, on my little humble podcast. Um, Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. With the amount of Grammy nominations you have this year, um, you may be my first guest where I have to go through a litany of different projects that you have Grammy nominations for. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I do appreciate it. This is a blessing and honor and and uh, I'm very happy. This is one of the most happiest times of my life. I'm feeling really good about uh, the work I put over, I put in over the last year or so and over the course of my career. It's kind of like capsulizing into this moment and uh, it feels good, man. It should, as it should. So you have a, a record, an album you put out in 2020 called Something to Say. Um, that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what's nominated, right? For best progressive R and B. Is that the category? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. And Thank it's you. a fascinating <laughs> record. Cause you know, you come in my view, look, you have some message in your songwriting, right? But, you know, coming out of this background of kind of like funk and R and B, you know, it, there's a lot of fun to your music, let's say, right? So. Mm-hmm, Tell mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I often am. Um, that's the point of having this mm-hmm. podcast. Um, I found with this with that record something to say. It felt like at the beginning it was a little bit more of a party. <laughs> then it kind of as we went through the mm-hmm. sequence got way more serious with message and what you were saying. Um, am I wrong with that interpretation? No, no, you're not. You're not. You're not totally off. Um, uh, something to say, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> I've kind of been checking it out a lot lately. <laughs> um, it starts with the message. It starts with don't forget. And um, I think that's an important, you know, part to the entire message of something to say, uh, because don't forget is like it's it's a, it's a chill, happy song, but it's still like a reminder of like, like why we're here. You know, and I wrote that tune during the pandemic and so many things was happening, um, you know, I felt like daily or weekly, you know, where um, we would be mad, you know, say we, but let's say, you know, generically there would be like tensions in certain so many areas and then something new would happen. And then we forget about what we was mad about last week, you know? So uh, it starts with that statement and then it goes into a little fun. It goes into happy days and we talk about love and we talk about, breakups you know switch and 
They talk about a few you things. Do, you do, you so, <laughs> so, But I was kind of really knocked yeah, out. Yeah. You know, the songs, you had No Guns there at the end and Black black Man and uh, Say Their Names. Um, and I was very moved. I was very moving, you know, tough, topical stuff. Some of my favorite music um, still to this day is uh, 70s soul and 60s soul. And some of my favorite artists, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, and Curtis Mayfield, Donny Hathaway, uh, to name a few, you know, there's probably way more that I'm not naming, but those people, they use the music to speak to the times, you know? And I wanted to do that. I've always wanted to do that. As much as I played solos and, you know, organ in church or jazz clubs and all this other stuff that I've done previously to this moment, I've always wanted to be able to say something, you know? Like I grew up in, um, you know, growing up in church, you know, one of the main parts of it was the preacher, you know, and the part that I liked the most was when he started revving up in key, you know, yeah, 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 listen to me, I'm telling you about the world. (laughs) So I wanted to pull all of those types of, um, you know, influences, it's that, it's the 70s, 60s soul. And then I want to think about some of my favorite songs, you know, like Marvin Gaye's Inner City Blues. It felt like he wrote that when I wrote Don't Forget. <laughs> you know, like, it's like the same thing is going on. So the pandemic gave me an opportunity to slow things down, to look at um, the world in my view from with my musical opinion. Um, I mean, musical ability, uh, from my opinion, rather. And... Um, say something to the world or say something that like I felt like represents what I think and how I feel and all of those things. So, yeah, I mean, it was tough doing it sometimes like, you know, some certain songs when I was recording them, I was like, it's not, it's not that serious, bro. <laughs> like, like, you know, I'm not really trying. Like when I named the album something to say, I wasn't being serious. I was just saying something. I was just like, Oh, everybody got an opinion. So, Here's my opinion, you know? And then after I put the record out, I was like, oh, there's something to say. Like, it's like, boom, like it's really serious now. So, you know, it, it can it's be taken incredible. And um, who did you collaborate like with on the record? I mean, did you produce it yourself? I produced, I produced the uh, entire record. Um, I had a few collaborators. Uh, the Funk Apostles, my band, The Funk Apostles, are on what, four, four songs, four or five songs. Uh, my good brother Van Hunt helped me uh, work on about a few songs, two or three. Um, Luke James, J-Mo, a few producers who played and helped me write uh, on a record. Uh, uh, Ayana, Ayana Elise helped me write. Uh, Shout out to Mattia and Stout and, you know, the singers that sing in the Apostles that, you know, sung on some of those songs. Uh, and I did, uh, I played a few of those songs and wrote by myself too, like uh, Anything For You and, you know. So it was a collaborative. It was like, you know, it was a, a, lot, a lot of help. Since it was done in 2020, um, I mean, were you able to do it in a studio or did you just kind of do it kind of in the box remotely how no, did I recorded you record it in the studio it? i recorded it in my studio here in los angeles a studio i work out of okay awesome very rare during that year you also I, there was a christmas record you released that year too wasn't there i mean was that done in a written in another year or was that during 2022 
You're so busy. I'm trying to keep your productivity here um, in check. Half so. of it was written in another year, uh, a few years ago, actually. And some of it was redone and re-recorded in 2020 as well. Thank you. It's beautiful. Thank you. Really beautiful. I mean, is that, does your interest in that come from kind of your background in the church? I mean, what, what, I just. No, it's just Christmas music. You know, I, um, growing up, I've always played Christmas music because of the changes. It was always jazzy and, you know, feeling, you know, a little different. And I wanted to make a Christmas record. Uh, I originally, I originally made the record for, um, a campaign I was doing for Macy's. I was doing a campaign for Macy's. And then once that was over, I took the tracks back because it was my masters and I made a record out of it. Um, and we, we, I re-recorded it. I re-recorded half of it in 2020. Yep. Yep. It's fantastic. Since, I mean, this, this will, uh, probably publish in January, but since we are pre-Christmas right now, oh, right. it's just a fascinating, it was a really lovely record to listen to now as we're in the Christmas yeah, season. Yeah. So. And I got more Christmas music coming up too. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you do? Yeah. This, this year, releasing a single. You, awesome. Awesome. You're going, trying to, are you uh, striving to get that standard that, uh, <laughs> The Mariah Carey standard or the Vince Guaraldi standard? Yeah, now that I know that that's the goal, <laughs> you know, I have, to, I have to set high. I didn't know Mar Mariah Carey was making all that, you know, every year is crazy for her. More than her regular singles. It's insane, you know. So I said, I got to be a part of that number. <laughs> it was crazy because when I worked at Columbia Records, I was an A&R guy during that time. And it was just like, man. They're milking this woman. They're getting every type of music out of her. Now it basically almost defines her career. It's so strange. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. But Christmas is the gift that keeps on giving. So I want to make a good Christmas record. In addition to the something to say, I mean, you've, I mean you're obviously a very active, engaged guy, a guy who's in demand, clearly. Um, you actually had um, some credit and a co-producing credit on this Kanye West Donda record that came out this year. Mm -hmm. And that's up for Grammys, right? Album of the year and best mm -hmm. rap album. Mm -hmm. So what was that experience like for you? It was wonderful, man. I was, um, I was chilling one Thursday afternoon and um, uh, got a call from uh, Rick Rubin randomly to come down to San Francisco where they were uh, to record. I didn't know it was for Kanye, I think, up until like things got serious. <laughs> and, but um, uh, once they got serious, it was, it, was, it was amazing. It was an amazing time. I uh, met him. He was really cool. Um, very intent on, you know, what he was working on. They had a mood board, all these pictures up, and he told all these stories about his mama and, you know, and... Um, um, serious about his faith walk now, it seems like. Um, it was amazing to see his process, how he worked, you know, uh, the producers and the writers he had in the room with him. Um, I was actually really, really happy with the opportunity to just do my thing, you know, like just play the organ. Um, 
we was working on a song and uh, Kanye was is, is really on this one instrument, you know, like oneness sound or something like that. He was kind of explaining, you know, a lot of the songs at that time had, uh, you know, just a guitar part or just piano or something like that. And so when it was my turn to play some organ and he was working on a song, I, there was no drums and I started doing the drum beat on the organ. And uh, he's like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, it was amazing to, you know, to listen to his rants from, you know, the start of the rant to the end of the rant, because I feel like he gets uh, either misquoted or out of context a lot, you know, because you hear like a 40 second, you know, excerpt of a 40 minute rant, <laughs> you know, um, but it was cool to hear, you know, his thoughts and be around him. And um, it was a great experience. Great experience. Right. And did you spend, I mean, just in a time frame, so I get my head around it, I mean, was that three days in the studio? Was that a couple of weeks in the studio? I was studio? in for what about was four or five days, five days. Mm-hmm. Nice. What it a great amazing. experience. It was amazing. It's awesome. So I, um, you know, when I was doing my research on you, I kind of saw this clip of you as a four-year-old playing Amazing Grace um, in a church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was stunned. I mean, it was so natural, it looked like, at that mm-hmm. age for you. Um, I get the impression your mom kind of, um, whatever, guided you into this mm-hmm. in music mm-hmm. as a whole, because your mom played instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about that experience such a young age, what she meant to you, what she contributed to you starting. Um she played several different instruments and she was the lead choir director in the church. And, um, all the way up until the age of two or three years old, I was trying to find music in my own way by tapping on people's legs and, you know, grabbing the spoons and the, the knife and making, you know, whatever, fork spoon and fork, making beats, not making beats, but tapping the table, I should say. Um, she was getting ready for a choir rehearsal. And at the age of three, um, she was, or age of two, I should say, um, I had mimicked some notes behind her while she was sitting at the piano. And at the age of three, she taught me Amazing Grace. And I had an opportunity to play Amazing Grace every fifth Sunday, like the youth Sunday was like fifth Sunday. So it was like, what, like three Sundays a year or something like that too. I don't know. Um, up until the age of five in, in which uh, at the age of five, I became like the church musician. You know, I was learning the songs and of the different choirs and the devotional portion. And it was like going to college at five, <laughs> five years old. Um, my mother means a lot to me to this day. Um, she passed away when I was uh, seven about seven years old or so. Um, and um, her influence is, um, is still huge. You know, I think about some of the things she taught me when I was younger, like, um, like uh, you know, like after at the end of Amazing Grace, <laughs> you know, it ends on the major chord, right? And, um, in church growing up, there was these uh, 
you know, when I first learned what a diminished chord was, um, she, you know, a diminished chord in church makes, you know, it's, you know, kind of makes church people go, hey, hey, hallelujah, <laughs> you know? So she always used to tell me to go to those church chords at the end of Amazing Grace, um, uh, which until it, it showed me how music and uh, how music connects to people, you know, which is something I, you know, I still use to this day, you know, how chords work. And, you know, I was always amazed that, you know, I made this statement earlier a little bit, but amazed that when I played in church and when I played certain chords, how people reacted or danced, they just start dancing. You'd be like, wow. <laughs> You know, music is really important and powerful, and um, I get all of that from my mama. Wow. So, I mean, is that a basis for almost being self-taught then? I mean, as you kind of went through this at the church? I mean, I was self-taught, but I had a lot of teachers along the way. Mm. And when you were in school, did you participate in any of the music programs there? Was it primarily just church? Uh, early school, I did pro- I did uh, participate in a glee club. <laughs> um, and then in high school, <laughs> uh, well, no, junior high, rather, uh, I was in the jazz band as well. Shout out to Thaddeus Expose. <laughs> I should hit him up. <laughs> um but in high school, check this out. I was, uh, uh, you said from New York, right? Did you say that? Okay. Yes. So I, uh, yes. I was living in um, between Park Slope and downtown Brooklyn or Bed-Stuy at that time. And um, I was going to try out for uh, professional performing arts in LaGuardia, right? To get it for music. Okay. And, and, and at LaGuardia, they said uh, you're supposed to have, you know, two songs prepared, two or three songs prepared. I think it was two songs. I had a, I had a, a gospel song, Amazing Grace, because I've been playing that entire life, so I knew I was sweet on that. And I had um, a jazz song, like A-Train, you know, take the A-Train. Um, um, and they might have asked me to improv, you know, at some point in between there. But I know I had those two songs. I had them down pat. And uh, and then I remember the guy, the teacher, he goes, that was nice. That was nice. Uh, do you know any uh, classical? <laughs> and I was like, I, don't, I wasn't supposed to know classical, right? But but I've been in church, oh. right? And I heard a lot of like, you know. So I started playing, um, you know that one, right? Do, 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 do. With the Freddie Lee, is that called? Uh, um, mm. The classic one. And um, <laughs> after I finished playing it, the guy was like, that was a nice rendition. <laughs> and I didn't get into school. I wasn't oh, good enough man. to go to professional performing arts. I hope they hear this. Wow. Remember when... Remember Go when, uh, I don't know if you know the story, story when Jordan got kicked off his high school, you know, basketball team. <laughs> That's what that was to me. I'm so, you know, I'll never forget yeah. that. I'm about to go tweet about it or something. <laughs> <laughs> and today, I mean, like a lot of people would call you kind of like, you know, and you're going to have some humility here as I say this, I'm sure. But 
I mean, people think you're kind of the preeminent kind of Hammond B3 player out there. Thank really. you. <laughs> what can I say? I appreciate it. I've been playing it my whole life and devoted my whole life to the instrument. And um, what, what, what can I say? I, I'm just glad that people are listening to me. So. Thank you. So what's it what's it meant for a kid from Brooklyn, you know, to grace these stages? Like, you know, you can go to a, a major international jazz festival that, I mean, it has to be just blow your mind at times. No, it does, man. Um, it, it actually doesn't matter what, what, what it is at this point. I'm, I'm actually happy to be doing it all. Like, I was always happy to, to have the opportunity to play music. I remember when I was a kid and um, I played in my church to the point where people felt like I um, I was good enough to play outside of my church and used to travel around the tri-state area and I used to be hyped just to go to Jersey to play. <laughs> you know, if there's a concert in Philly, you'd be like, yo, just to go to some, you know, somebody's church to play. So the fact that I got, I get to do that um, and at times, whatever, you know, because it's these other venues, it's still the same appreciation, still the same gratitude, still the same, um, you know, just the same feeling I get since I was a kid, you know, like, especially when I'm doing the, the bigger stages, it's even more. So, I mean, it's almost like I'm not even up there. It's like, I'm just, it's like, it's something that's just happening. And I'm just like in the moment. And um, it's a beautiful feeling. That's it's wonderful. And tell me the early days. I mean, how did you um, kind of come aboard? I mean, Snarky Puppy became kind of a, a definitely a critically acclaimed uh, group. Um, what was that? How did it come together for you? Um, what did that mean at that point in your career? Um, I joined Snarky Puppy, my boy, Sput, Robert Sput Seawright. Um, he was actually playing keyboards in the band. Um, but he's known for being a drummer, you know, he's one of the greatest drummers, I feel like. Um, he was playing in the band before me. He invited me out to um, check out the band he was playing in Brooklyn at uh, Spike Hill in Williamsburg. And at that club, there was literally less people in this. It was less people in the crowd than it was on stage. (laughs) And um, um, it was incredible to watch because the band was so tight. And um, I haven't really seen a band of that size play together um, without any ego, you know? It was like, oh, we're just here together. We're making this music together. I'm playing my part and you're playing your part. And we're doing that together. And um, can you hear me better? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Um, He invited me to the, um, he invited me to another show. I think they played at maybe Rockwood. Michael Lee, who's the bass player and the band director, he, he had me coming for a solo. And the next thing I know, I was on the bus heading down to Virginia or something like that. I don't even remember like, what the conversation was. It was just like, like, oh, I'm part of the band, you know? And it was fun. It was a while, I want to say three years or so, of just music making, creating, and traveling, and learning. You know, I've never been a part of a band that was like that before that, you know. And I played in a lot of bands before that. A lot of bands and professionally and otherwise. Um, 
But that one was special, the type of music that we was making. Um, again, the energy, how people treated each other, um, the diverse, you know, cultures, people came from different places. Everybody was from different places. Um, and it was beautiful, you know, we got three Grammys and, and that's beautiful. <laughs> um, as some of, some of, some of my, most amazing musical experiences in that band. So, so it's almost like a, uh, it's the first band experience I've heard of. It's almost like a kidnapping or uh, <laughs> they just basically. took you aboard and that was it. Yeah, basically. I was like, wow, I'm out here now. <laughs> this is crazy. Just That's fantastic. Like, so, wow. so, I mean, you recently, I just saw a clip that you recently played at uh, Flea's birthday party and it, Looked like it was in a parking lot of like a Chase Bank or something. What was that whole scenario? It, um, yeah, I was at Flea's birthday party. Um, that's my homeboy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was at his school. His birthday party was at his school. He has a school in L.A., um, a music school. And um, he's had the school for 20 years or 30 years or something like that. And um, he invited me out. Um Fish was there. I mean, so many other people were there. And all-star caliber band, um, and it was fun. Um, I was just at the school again, doing uh, actually his podcast uh, as well, um, and um, we jammed again. Fish is the homie. We play basketball and all that. <laughs> Dude, those are those are the quasi-essential LA guys yeah. from my generation. You know what I mean? So. Well, yeah. Yeah. The, the fishbone guys, mm-hmm. the chili peppers. So, how awesome! It's awesome to be part of that. Yeah, no, I, I want I want a new record. Speaking of, you know, I recorded about eight to ten new song, uh, songs uh, with the with the with the chili peppers. Oh wow! Yeah, nobody really knows about that yet. But, that is yeah. awesome. So, I mean, are these opportunities for you now that you've established your bona fides and your credentials and? Uh, you know, have a bit of a profile. I mean, do these just come to you now? I mean, these aren't, you don't have to hunt anything down anymore. Um, I mean, you know, some things come to me, you know, some things I go hunt. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a combination of it, uh, of it all. Um, yeah, it's just a combination of it all. Yeah, I think it, uh, I think there's an impression out there once you get at a certain level, it all just comes to your doorstep in it. Never really works that way. No, I don't think it works that way. I think there's certain things you still gotta go out and get for yourself. You know, work is still work. Uh, but a lot of the beautiful things that come my way, I'm very grateful for in terms of the people who call me to be a part of their projects and, uh, you know, especially on that level. Dude, you've built a really great creative community around you. It's fantastic. But you're a musician's musician. Um, and I think that becomes rarer in the world of influencers. Um, so you're kind of a unicorn, for sure. Thank you. <laughs> so I've seen some live performances. Do you do you play shoeless on occasion, or do you have like? I saw one where your left shoe looked like it was off, and you were playing with one shoe on, one shoe off. <laughs> I didn't know if that was a style thing or a comfort thing. Um, it's both, actually. That's that's funny you bring that up. Um, I had an organ. I grew up with an organ. I think I said that before. I grew up with an organ, so it was nothing to just you know. Saturday mornings, you know, just have a bowl of cereal on the top of it and, you know, just get on and play with my socks. Um, um, that was life every day for me for years, you know. 
So when it came down to going to church and playing at church, which is what I did a lot of, or playing other places, it was just didn't feel good to have a clunky shoe on because I couldn't do my tricks or I couldn't walk the base with my pedals, I mean, with my feet, you know? Um, and then I noticed um, when I started wearing a certain type of shoe, I could wear, I could uh, play, uh, but it just didn't feel the same. So this is the style thing, it's a comfort thing. I've been doing that since I was a kid. <laughs> Let's say we have to get you and uh, Michael Franti together for a collaboration. So. <laughs> the shoeless guys. Shoeless. Uh, Got to have some good socks on. Clean socks. <laughs> so what's do you have? Tu- you have touring plans coming up in the new year? Uh, I tour in March. I got a tour coming up in March. Um, we're tanking the bankers, actually. Yeah, we're touring together across the across uh, America. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to um, releasing new music with the Apostles to support that tour. Um, um, we're also opening up Lenny Kravitz, uh, 2022, coming up. Awesome. So, um, maybe maybe more tour. I don't know about. That's awesome. Good for you. So. Well, I want to thank you for doing this. Your current record is Something to Say, which is nominated for a couple of Grammys this year, and your contributions to the uh, incredible Kanye West and his record Donda, which is up for Best Album. So congratulations in all those nominations, and I'm crossing my fingers you walk away with a couple of those trophies. Thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I need those fingers crossed. And then we're going to have to get you a bigger home because you're getting way too many Grammys. Yeah. Moving on up to the east side. You're going to need a museum soon. So. Yes, that's right. So. Awesome. Corey, thank you so much for your time, man. You are so talented and a treat to speak to. And uh, stay healthy, my friend. Bless you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for doing this. I'm extremely grateful. See you soon. Thank you for listening. This show originates from the podcast capital, Austin, Texas. My producer is Sean O'Neill. Visit theradicalpot.com for updates and even some merchandise. Also, please subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I also ask that you please share episodes with your friends so we can continue to grow our community. See you all again next Friday.